God, thank you so much for this day. Um, thank you for the chance to get together and, uh, man, make that, that phrase mean something more um, than just a, a Christmas card, Father, that we want to remember the reason for the season. Um, and I just pray that our hearts would be open to what you would have to say. Um, I pray that hard hearts would be softened, distracted minds would be focused, hurting hearts um, would be healed. God, I pray that you would just do what you do. Lord, I am very, very, very imperfect, and I need you. Help me to preach your word. Forgive me for the things I've done and do that get in the way of that at times. and uh, Help me to preach it well. I wouldn't get away. I'll give you all the glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, welcome to The Remnant. And uh, my name is Todd, I'm the pastor here, and we, it is almost Christmas time. I mean, it is Christmas time. So it's December, it's been a long time, so um, <clears throat> it seems like time just goes faster and faster. <laughs> I thought that was AJ, I'm like, that didn't sound like him. Well, here we are. Um, it's December, so with December comes that magical word, Xmas, I'm just kidding, see, Catching you guys. Listen, if you don't wake up, I promise you I'm quitting. Find another guy, okay? Goodness gracious, that's you, James. Sip your coffee faster. All right. <laughs> I heard him say when he came in, I'm tired. <laughs> All right, listen, Christmas for me growing up, I didn't, uh, didn't grow up in a Christian home, but didn't grow up in like anti-Christian home, you know what I mean? We didn't, weren't against that, but didn't grow up going to church. And um, so, but Christmas was always a really magical time for me. My mom Loves Christmas, did a great job of making Christmas magical. Um, so even before I knew Jesus, Christmas was very different to me. I remember, I literally remember thinking this as a kid. I remember feeling like it was, I don't know, just a different time of year. It felt magical. Right? It seemed quieter. You know what I'm talking about when I say that? You ever have that? Right? It just seems quieter. So like holy night, silent night. I remember going, yeah, that fits. I have no idea what this means. But it fits. Now, knowing Christ, I can understand why. Christmas is one of those things that once we put the meaning to it, right, once we recognize that we are, uh, we've made this month, whether it's the specific date or not, you guys all get caught up in that sometimes, it doesn't matter because we have decided that is the time that we celebrate, right, Messiah, the Christ who came. And because of that, <clears throat> It, it is different. Now I know it's like the world knows it's different. Creation knows it's different. It reminds me of that verse. Songs like Joy to the World, Silent Night, they take on a different meaning. Like I'm not, I wasn't saying that just to be funny. Silent Night. When I was a kid, I was like, I don't know why it's so quiet when we're talking about this, but this feels different. However... That being said, it's easy for that and in and of itself to just become normal. <clears throat> now, you guys know I give you a hard time about this a lot. If you're a, uh, if you're a guest, I'm very kind and polite. But if you're a member here, uh, I give you guys a hard time because I know how easy it is to slide into normalcy. Okay? What do I mean by that? It's, it's when we make incredible things completely average and normal. We do this in day-to-day -day life. Let me give you an example. Two things. One, I'll start with is, have you ever considered a car? No? You never thought about that? All right, moving on. No, a car. You're sitting in a metal box that goes fast, 
right? And you're inches away from other vehicles and protected only by an invisible line that you both agree on. You get what I'm saying? Makes no sense. Here's the one that people are going to, I guarantee you some people in here are going to laugh probably because I bring this up and Tim mocks me subtly. Have you considered the concept of a computer? No? You under, like, you're all going, what do you mean? I know what a computer is. Do you really? I want you to consider your magical box that somehow has pictures and connection to all the information in the world. Thank you, Kaylee. You're the only one in the room going, that don't make any sense. I agree, right? My point is, we, when you live with stuff like, can you imagine taking a computer and it works back to even the beginning of the 20th century? Taking one of our computers, our phones, back to the 90s even? People are like, what is this strange box? But it becomes normal because we've gotten used to it. It's the same thing with Christmas. And I think sometimes in Christianity, I don't know, I'm probably too real with you guys. So not growing up in the church it was, it's difficult at times for me. It still affects me. Sometimes I have to ask our members, our leaders, I'm like, hey, you go to church, what did you guys do? What, what did you do? What's normal here? Right? You know Advent? No? Guys, I promise you, I promise you I'll quit right now. Okay? Because here's the issue with you. You'll yell all day long when I don't want you to. If I ask you a question... You're making my point for me, all right? Wake up. Advent, right? Growing up, I know clue what that is. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what that is, and sometimes I still forget it. I'm like, oh, it's Advent season. We don't do any special calendar. I think it's a beautiful thing. I do, but what is Advent? Who doesn't know? Am I not alone in that? Oh, cool. I'll explain it to you guys. It's just the celebration waiting up till, till, uh, till Christmas. Starts today. It's a countdown. Yeah. That being said... Even something like that, which we're going to be doing here, just not going to be calling it Advent, right? Nothing wrong with that. My point is it becomes normal. You're like, okay, I remember, um, okay, it's Christmas, so we got to talk about Christmas story, but I already know the Christmas story, so i got to pretend to be interested for the next three or four weeks, right? That's what you do. I know you do, right? And you're thinking about the big concert next week? Got her, Denise. She hasn't even looked to say her name yet. It becomes normal. But when you actually think about... Let me stop. When that happens, like you got, it's not that the people in this room, you don't appreciate Jesus. It's not that you don't really understand what's going on, unless you're Eli and he can't focus. he got that pretty girl next to him, so he has a hard time with it, right? <coughs> I'm never going to stop, Jill. He's going to be so mad at me. What are you, how old are you now? He's got, what, four years? Two years? I got you for two more years, man. You ain't going anywhere for two years, so... <coughs> It's not that we don't appreciate or recognize this time of year and what it signifies to our faith. It's just that it becomes normal, normal like your phone, normal like a car. It stops having real meaning. A few years ago, when we were in this building, so within the last five, I had kind of an eye-opening moment. Now, some of you, this may be obvious, but it wasn't for me. I was reading, getting prepared, I remember this, the week of our Christmas service, which you should come to that if you want. It's candlelit, it's really cool. And thinking about this little baby being born in a barn. That's what it was. Manger is just a fancy way to say barn. So he's born in this barn. And then, of course, my mind, because I've been raised in this country, I've seen the little figurines, right? Things of precious moments, nativity scene, and it's all beautiful and clean, and that's true. <clears throat> and I had this thought, this flash, that that baby is the man that dies on the cross. So the baby that you're worshiping with the, the cute, you know, the cute little swaddle, and he's in there, and he's smiling, and he's got his chubby cheeks, and he's cute. That baby came to die. You're celebrating, in a way, you ready? 
We're celebrating what his death did. It, it blew my mind. To realize that the baby, because sometimes I think, at least me, you know, you sort of separated him. We got baby Jesus, that's why we call him that, and then Jesus. They're the same person. He was born to die, and it put the entire situation in a different light. This baby, the Christ, the Messiah, Christ would die a violent and horrible death 33 years later, roughly. That baby that we celebrate was our hope and our joy and our king and our savior. He's the same Jesus that overturned tables and healed the sick, told us truth, tells you truth now, and died on the cross. Now, when I say Messiah and Christ, you guys are familiar with it, but here's the reality. Any um, Jews here? I think so. We don't have the same concept of the word. It becomes uh, his name, like Jesus Smith, right? Jesus Christ, Jesus Smith, Jesus Jones. Jesus Jones, that sounds like a detective in the 70s. <clears throat> They understood, the Jewish people understood the concept of Messiah. Even the words that you sang up here, that last song, didn't know that was the one today, but it's very fitting, right? Behold your king, behold Messiah. We're like, that sounds nice. But they understood that in a different context than we do. And you today may intellectually know, but I know you don't live in that reality. Neither do I, many times. I'm going to get you, James, you'll see. You're like, yes, I do. No, you don't. I'm about to get you. 800 years before, and I don't have time to go through all this, but it's pretty amazing to look up. God spoke through prophets foretelling the coming of the Messiah. 800 years. Details that no one would think of. And the context in which, let's say, the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, it was a terrible time for Israel. The Assyrians were around, they're, they're slaves half the time, they're constantly in battle, they're not seeing God, he's, he's not showing up, right? And here's the thing, we can look back and go, what are you talking about? Your people saw what? You saw the Red Sea split, your ancestors, and you saw all these things. Yeah, and the problem is, is that just like us now, over time, familiarity breeds complacency. What's complacency? You take it for granted. So they forgot. They were forgetting. Now, Isaiah comes in, and he says some challenging things because God doesn't always just, you know, a prophet essentially, even though he knows things that we don't and may foretell the future, his main goal is to tell people, turn back to God. In the midst of this, this horrible situation they have, they're given a promise Messiah to them meant Savior. That meant, okay, someone is going to come. He was encouraging the people then while speaking to us now, while telling the Jews in the future what's to come. But they, the reason I'm bringing this up is Messiah meant so much to them that just being told by him, not a time when he was coming, they didn't know. They were probably hoping it was tomorrow. But the fact is, even in the midst of this war and times, just the thought and concept of being told he's coming. Gave them hope to continue in dark days. Here's the reality. I don't think that we or you or me understand Messiah in that context. 
because we've been blessed. And in a weird way, our blessings can sometimes make us forget how important our Savior is. Yes, he died for my sins. And this is my issue when I push a lot of you long-term Christians. It's because you truly don't understand. I remember what it is to not be in the kingdom, and I sit and watch you, and you have taken for granted what you've been given sometimes. Now I'm there, and I do it too. So these prophets, the idea of Messiah was so powerful. Imagine being in a war-torn land where people you love are dying, people are starving, there's no hope. And just the idea that the Messiah might come could give you enough strength and hope to wake up the next day. Now, you ready? If you, if you and I believed in Messiah, in the same context, we understood it in the same way, would it give you hope to get up in the morning when you're so depressed you don't feel like you can, you can open your eyes? Would it give you hope that the financial situation that you're in that's real and that you genuinely don't see a way out of, that he's coming and that maybe, just maybe, if you hold on long enough, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out? The broken marriage, the health issues, would you wake up in the morning if we understood Messiah in that way? Would I? So throughout the Old Testament, the different prophets that speak of him, they give different symbols. You know why? Because we're picture people. We're very visual. So, and it works for us too. They use different words. If they would have just said even his name, Jesus is coming, they would have understood. By the way, his name means something pretty powerful, but they're like, that's neat. But they describe different traits by giving him different titles, different pictures, different images. And they're all pretty powerful, but Isaiah 9 is pretty famous. And it gives us a pretty powerful view of what he would be and mean to this world. Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 2. And this section, by the way, this verse is actually mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew when it refers to Jesus. I love this verse. Love it. wanted to call this series this, but we used it on a Christmas message a couple years ago, so I can't do that. The people walking in darkness, you person that's in the bad marriage situation, you person that keeps screwing up, you person trapped in sin, you person whose financial situation is falling apart, you person whose relationship is broken, you person that's lonely, you person that's depressed, you person that is angry and bitter, you who feels like you're walking in darkness, the people have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. Drop down to verse 6. Hopefully I put the right one. Yeah, man, sometimes I give number dyslexia here. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, the Messiah is called many things throughout the Bible, and these, as I said, these, they kind of give us a good picture of who he is. But these four names are very important. Isaiah is pretty clear what's happening here. A child is coming. That's going to be your Savior. And he's going to, he's, all of authority has been given to him. <clears throat> and what will he be named? These things. 
I think understanding them can help us keep in focus who and what Jesus is to us and into this, into this world. And more importantly, listen, who he is to you. See, the problem is the reason things can become normal is when you view Jesus as like he's sitting looking at all Christians as a, uh, an anthill or an ant farm. Right? If you're all normal ants, you're like, yeah, I'm very thankful for the guy holding the ant farm. That's great. But if he knows your name, ant, and has love and moves in your specific life, that changes things a little bit. It becomes more incredible. I want to stop. I bring this up every now and then, and I'm going to say this nicely this time. I have not even said anything really offensive yet. <laughs> okay? I'm being serious. I make a joke of it. And if you find yourself uncomfortable and upset, I'm not seeing any grumpy faces yet. This just came to me, and I feel like I need to say it. If you feel something inside you uncomfortable and upset, who's doing that? Who doesn't want you to listen to that? Who doesn't want you to be encouraged? Who doesn't want you to know that Messiah is for you? Why are you, why are you, you should be asking yourself that question. Because there is an enemy that doesn't want you to live a full life. And if you think that he can't right now be stirring things up, why? Because I got to distract you from the truth. I don't want you encouraged. I don't want you believing. I don't want you hopeful. Think about that. And that's guest or member. Okay? If we think about these things, it's going to help us understand who Messiah, who Christ is to you. Not one time when you came to know Jesus, but for all time. He's not a ghost. He's not words on a page. He's not Mr. Rogers, right? He's the living God. He's alive. And he's personally acting in our lives. I don't like doing things just to do them because that's how they're done. I mentioned that at the end. It's both a curse and a gift, okay? Meaning Christmas season is always funny to me. There was one, one time I didn't preach a single Christmas-themed message until, the, until Christmas. People were coming up to me be like, hey, why aren't we talking about Christmas? I was like, because we don't, I don't want to, right? God doesn't want to. So here's my point. If we're going to focus on the reason for the season, and we want it to mean more than your Hallmark card, then I want us to not take that for granted, but actually take the time to try to look at and understand the reason. The problem is familiarity has bred contempt. What's contempt? Eh, you kind of sneer at it. You know everything, right? You were raised in church. You know every story. You've heard every sermon. Nobody can get you to understand anything any more than you do. Why come to church, man? You should have quit five years ago. Some of you do. That's why you don't come. But that's because you believe this is a philosophy, whether, in, whether intentionally or whether it's just subtle. You live it like it's a philosophy, not like it's a living God. Because a living God says, you think you know, and I'm going to keep teaching you. Let's look at the reasons. So over the next few weeks, this is a series, we're going to study these names, these titles that God gave Jesus through the prophets, and in doing so, hopefully this gives us all new eyes and focus during this holiday season. Because he isn't words on a page, he isn't a historical figure, he isn't a ghost, he's the Lord of Lords, not was, not gonna be, is, present tense, King of kings and the living God. Now some of you in the room don't come from that background, you're not a believer, that's okay, I wasn't either. 
So your mind's coming up with all the reasons, well, science and intellectual, you've been fooled. God brought you here today for a reason. It's the only time. Seize the day. Lord of Lord, King of Kings, living God. Jesus Christ lives now, and he overcame sin and death to offer all who believe in him real hope, real joy, real life. He says that I've come to give them life and give it to the full, overflowing. Some of you all don't look like you live in overflowing lives. Me either, <laughs> right? Just talked to Jericho about this the other day. He's mopey like me too. We got we to gotta work on getting, see, he's already going, wake up, all right? See, he thinks he knows all the time too. It's funny. All right, me too. He gives us life by giving us a way. He made a way for us to be right with God. And the only way to be truly content in this life, not happy all the time, but to have joy, to be content, to have purpose, is to live in that purpose. What is your overall purpose? To be in relationship with your creator and uniquely reflect him to the, through, to the world through who you are. Amen. So these titles help remind us not just what he did, but what he does. And I want that to be the focus. It's not one time, and it's not even, I love, and, and the early church lived in the reality that he was coming back. And it's a beautiful thing to say, there's going to be a time when he comes back and it's not hard anymore, right? Because this life's hard. That's great, but, but here's the thing. It's not just, okay, this is great, I'm going to celebrate when I was saved, and then everything sucks, and then I'm going to just kind of wait till I, you know, he comes back or I die and things are good again. No, that wouldn't be life to the full. That would be a little bit in the beginning, a lot at the end. I don't know about you, but I struggle with this sometimes, and I think it's because I, we don't spend time in the Word. When we don't spend time in the Word, we aren't reminded, and it's supernatural. That's why you, <laughs> I, I can't make this. I can't say this now because then Eli's going to think I'm talking to him. This is not directed at Eli this time, okay? Just because he's with his girlfriend. But that's why we look for life in bodies. That's why we want something tangible now. The problem is that's a lot of weight to put on somebody, even for a husband or wife. Be my savior. These titles help us do that. So what we're going to do, we're going to do that over the next few weeks. And today we're going to start with the one that your mind already has a corny image of it. I already know you do because I did. I kind of gloss over it. I was like, that's cool. Wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. I think it's important to think through this phrase, wonderful counselor. I'm going to tell you why. Because I want you right now, don't say it out loud. See, because you would say it out loud when I don't ask you to. But you won't nod when I'm like, you with me? I'm not. I'm not with you, right? <laughs> wonderful counselor. Let me tell you, to begin with, we need to get the first image that came to your mind, Josh. I know you had this image because you're so cool, right? Here's the, I mean, he is cool. Here's the image. You probably think, I do, wonderful counselor. It's your high school guidance counselor. So God's wearing, right? He, and there ain't nothing wrong with this because I'm not making fun of this. These, they have a role, but we're thinking of, at least in my high, I'll use my high school, right? Very nice older man, wore glasses and a gray sweater vest every day, okay? And he talked real gently, and whenever I needed, right, to talk, which I didn't take advantage of 
in high school because I was too cool then. But when I was in elementary and you went to talk to them, right, they give you a juice box, let you lay down, right? You'd go to, you did it and mine did. It was all, I'd do that to get out of class all the time, right? Because <laughs> the nurse eventually kind of got slides. Like, I don't think his head really hurts. Now my heart hurts, right? <laughs> Sit down right here. Take a juice box. Let's talk about it. And that's good. They do a good role. But that's what our mind does. So some, sometimes you're like, listen, I don't need a juice box. I'm in a real situation here. So we don't view this as what it really means. We kind of view it, I'm going to be honest with you, 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 you kind of view Wonderful Counselor as Ned Flanders. Right? It's a Simpsons reference. If you don't know what that is, don't watch it. Anyway. Right? He sits on the couch and he has a share of feelings. But that's not what this means. It isn't. Let's start with the first word, wonderful. Let me tell you something about wonderful. Jericho's asleep. I will come down and I will embarrass you. Right? Wonderful does not mean great. That's what it means to us now. We, we, we sort of make these words, that is wonderful tea. Right? Thank you for the wonderful tea. I'm sure the tea was very tasty. But was it actually full of wonder? Was the coffee full of wonder? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't believe you. Your standards are very low, right? Caffeine, caffeine can be full of wonder. No, I'm just kidding, right? Is it actually wonderful? Because let's think about that word, right? We use things like, hey, how was the play? It was wonderful. Well, how was the marriage ceremony? Beautiful, it was wonderful. How was vacation? I had a wonderful time. Was it full of wonder? Did you wake every day, up every day going? I don't think you did. The day I see you sip your tea and go and throw it around, then I might believe you. But that's not, right, what we live in. Let's look at what the word actually means. Man, I'm spitting everywhere. Forgive me. I'm just, it's so wonderful in here. Anyway, wonderful. I love words. Now, if you look up the definition, it does say now, great, exciting, okay? But remember, root words change over time, the meanings of words. If you look at the word, we created it for a reason, wonder. I think of like Aladdin in the Cave of Wonders. That's wonderful, by the way. So the day that your coffee looks like a giant tiger, you know, cave that's speaking to you with gemstone eyes and treasure, well, we can agree that's wonderful, right? Wonder, full, full of wonder. The root of that word shows a hint of its meaning. The word translated, if we translate it directly, if we're able to have one word that encapsulates it, right? From the Hebrew, it doesn't mean just great or really good. It more closely means kind of a full sentence. So full of wonder that we can barely understand it. This is so crazy that you're going to barely understand what it means. This is so good that you're not even going to fathom it. Another word, incomprehensible. Doesn't have the same ring though, right? Incomprehensible counselor. The prophet Isaiah is saying here, God through him was saying, the Messiah I'm sending to you. And I, I think, I don't say this arrogantly because the Jewish people, Orthodox Jews are still waiting. You know why? Because it didn't happen the way they thought. Where's my military anointed king that's going to come riding a big white horse, right? floating or whatever? But that's part of what makes this so wonderful. I'm going to send him to you in ways you can't imagine. He says the Messiah will cause us to be full of wonder. Part of it's going to be because we don't have, you, don't, you, you think you know, I'm gonna, it ain't going to happen the way you think. 
which is what God does, right? Because if it happens the way we think, guess what tends to happen, James? We start to think we did it. That's what we do. I told you I'm coming for you today. You look good. You're awake now, all right? <clears throat> if I say your name, by the way, and you're a guest, it means I like you, not dislike you, okay? <laughs> I got to <laughs> Why did you say dang it? Except for you, E.G. Uh, the, the meaning is the depth and breadth of his counsel, is going to be beyond our understanding. And we see this in Jesus, this wonderful side, right? Because he wasn't just a man, all right? Hey, he's going to be born, and that's cool. That would still be neat. Nope, I'm going to do something crazy. He's going to be born to a virgin. He's going to be miraculously conceived. He's going to heal the sick. He brought sight to the blind. He raised the dead, and he taught us that the nature of life and God was different than we thought and what they thought. He flipped it. It's not going to be about us trying to get to God because we aren't good at that. He's going to bring God to us. Think about the teaching that he said that you're used to if you're in this room and a Christian. If you're not, it may sound amazing. Hey, I want you to love people. Everybody's cool with that. Oprah's cool with that. But if I say, and what did he say? You say to love your friends, but I tell you to love your enemies. That doesn't make sense. Blessed are those, right, who mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That doesn't make sense. We're like, that's cute. I remember when I read that and I really, like, thought about it. I'm like, that, I don't understand. I have to be sad to be happy, to be blessed. It's not the point. Hint, hint. Keep coming. We'll talk about it someday. Hey, you want to really live? You got to die first. What? You got to die to yourself. These things that we hear throughout our faith that seem normal then, I'm sorry, normal in our faith was not normal then and honestly isn't normal now. You're just used to it. Why? Why did, it, why did he teach this way? Why did it happen in ways we didn't make sense of it? Why, why did he do things that no other person could do? Do you ever think about that? Why did he do miracles? You think he did that just for the hoot of it? Because he had to prove to us in ways that we can't imagine. He had to make us start going. It's not possible a person did this. Because you know why, Jill? We do that. Something good happens in your life. How often do you actually say that God blessed me versus, boy, I got lucky? Everyone has a good one, right? That was God, it wasn't me. Why? Because the Christ was not just going to be an appointed king, but the Messiah wasn't what they thought he was. A human that's just anointed and chosen. He is God. So let's move on. What's the idea of a counselor? Ned Flanders, right? That's what you think. It's, no, it's one who gives counsel. Right? So I grew up, a nerd, no longer, right? I'm just kidding. So I love, like, knights, and I love fantasy books, you know, Lord of the Rings, that kind of stuff. Some of you already immediately, you know, don't like me as much. That's okay, because you just don't have really good taste. <laughs> um, but I've always grown up with the idea of a, right, advisors, a counsel to a king, right? But even a king gives counsel. What? A counselor is someone who gives direction and guidance in life. 
Do they come? Do you seek guidance when you want to pick between a jelly-filled donut and a glaze? Some of you do. But the majority of the time, the majority of the time, is that what you do? Are those the times that you said, I wish my mom or dad were still around? No. It's not to decide which donut to have. It's in hard times when we don't know which way to go, and it doesn't seem like there's a way out. Those are the times we wish and desire a counselor, which is why we go to see a counselor. As someone who helps guide those who are unsure, lost, gives them a different perspective, helps those that don't know what to do or where to go, and it's an incredibly, we need them when it's an incredibly important decision. It's a word that would have meant something different to the Jewish audience, not a guidance counselor, but a trusted advisor and a wise king. Someone who can show those lost the right way. Someone who gives peace. That's what you want. At times as a grown man, right, I was thinking about this. And some of us don't have this concept, we didn't have it maybe. Right? You don't stop wishing that your dad would, would tell you what to do. Doesn't matter how old you are, does it? Some of you in the room, you sometimes wish you could call dad, right, if you had a good one. And even if you didn't, you wish you had one. <laughs> you know why? Because we know we need that. As someone who gives us peace when we're scared and anxious by saying, it's going to be okay, here's the right direction. In modern day America, we don't outwardly, and I said this, like the idea of counselor. You know how I know this? I'm a pastor. You come, sometimes things are above my pay grade, believe it or not. And I'll be like, listen, you got to go have to see, you're going to need to see somebody else, right? I don't mean that mean, right? I can't help you anymore. I can't tell you, mostly men, but ladies, you do it too. You ain't any better about that. You don't want to. Because you know why? Because we've been told you got to have it all together, and if you need counsel, guess what? That means we don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. Your white picket fence and your good job's not enough, and that just doesn't fit with the American dream. you got to know yourself, right? You need to be the one giving counsel, never getting it. We don't tell, need anyone to tell us what to do or where to go. We got this. Part of why you don't like coming to church. You don't need me, right? You don't need or anyone else. That isn't true, is it? You don't always know what to do. You don't always have it figured out. You do feel confused even after putting your faith in him. You do wonder where he's at. You do doubt. You do know. sometimes come to that crossroads in life and go, I don't know which way to go. You do have a hard time focusing because you're trying to juggle everything else, so why get the counsel? you got to keep it going. Because if you're not there telling everybody else, it's all going to fall apart. Life's good right now. Why would I need counsel? There's many reasons, right? Sometimes we do not know how to act. And so even if we don't say it outwardly, we look for direction, books, movies, counselors, parents, none of those things are bad. Someone to tell us that we're going the right way, doing the right thing, and that things are going to be okay. Here's the thing. I said at the beginning, I'll say it now. Jesus is alive. And he offers you what you're looking for. Why do we know that? Okay, well, let's look at John 14. John 14. 
chapter, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. <clears throat> Uh-oh. AJ, my notes, they're not complete, buddy. They're not all on here. He goes, <gasps> luckily, two things. One, I wrote this, so I do know. But the other thing is I have this, this phone, so... <clears throat> But something for us to keep in mind. See, I could freak out right now, and I should have not told you that. But that happened. <clears throat> John 14, okay? Go ahead and throw it up, guys. Starting in verse 1. This is, by the way, Jesus in a section that I love where he's talking to his disciples. He's praying for everyone. He prays for us, right? He prays for the, He's giving them. I've said this many times. He keeps coming up kind of like, oh, man, you can tell things are coming, so he's trying to rush to the end, right? Let's listen. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? If I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you may also be. You know the way to where I'm going. Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Why would he ask how to know the way to him? Because he knows when I'm with you, things are good. I trust you, but I don't know how to go where you're going. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him oh, This is and have seen him. So those that say that Jesus never claimed to be God, what's that mean? If you know me, you'll know the Father. From now on, do you, you do know him and have seen him. Let these words sink in for a minute and take those earmuffs off. Take another swig of your coffee. I'll wait. All right? <clears throat> and understand that Jesus is not just talking to the disciples then, though he was. God has this incredible ability. He's talking to you right now. Do you believe that? I don't think you do. He was talking to you right now. I woke you up. I know you're thinking about tomorrow. Imagine Jesus sitting here talking to you and you're thinking about Taco Bell. And then he calls you out because you can't hide it from him. Hey, you're not paying attention. Yes, I am. Because he doesn't fall for the old Christian move you guys do. Here's what you've learned. You can think about whatever you want as long as when I look at you, you do this. You think I don't know, Jacob? I know, buddy. I know, right? <clears throat> what does he say? Right? Think about that. He's talking to you now. So if he's talking to you through this, put your name in there. Let's think about what he's actually saying. He says, don't worry. What does that mean? If he says, don't be anxious, that means situations are going to come in your life when you're going to be anxious. You're not crazy. You're not flawed. That's the nature of this broken, flawed world, this sinful world. There's going to be times that you're nervous and scared. You don't have to have it all together. Whew. Yes. Then he says what? Don't be anxious, though. Don't live in anxiety. Right? Right? Sometimes people think, well, if I'm anxious, it means I'm not trusting. No, think about what he's saying. He says, don't be anxious. If I say that to you, it doesn't mean stop feeling anxiety. It means don't live out of that. Why? Why, don't, why shouldn't you live out of that? Believe and trust God and trust me. I know I'm not here physically. That's what he's saying, right, to you right now. That's what he's telling them. I'm going to be gone physically, but because I'm, that's just because I went ahead to be with the Father, to get your place ready. Right. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Oh, all the Christians know you got a room. You have a place. What does he say? I haven't forgotten you. We know that, right? Because that's what's inferred here. I haven't forgotten you, Sydney. 
I'm coming back for you. Life is going to seem confusing and hard and dark, and it's going to seem like I'm gone. It's going to seem like I'm not in control anymore. It's going to seem like you're on your own, but you do know the way to where I'm going. What do you mean? Listen, it's not a one-time thing. You still know. Know what? And then he says this, I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. I'm the way to what you're looking for. Does that mean you always agree with this? See, that's the problem. Some of you believers say, well, if I have the Holy Spirit and I don't naturally want to do this, that must mean that that's not the way to go. That's why you don't love your wife. That's why you don't love your wife. I love her. No, you don't. Love, right, means denial of self. Now, if you think I'm talking to you, because that happens all the time, not me. That's the Holy Spirit. And that's not true. Because some of you go, he knows my personal life. Listen, I love you dearly. You're really cool. I ain't obsessed with you. I don't think about you 24-7. That's why you don't respect your husband, right? If he just got his act together, you might give him a little respect. That's why you don't go to church. You got more important things to do. See, it becomes, like, the reminder has to be, listen, I'm the way. Not you will know the way. I am the way, which means what? You got to do and go where I tell you to go, even if it doesn't make sense. You ever see, anybody here like The Office? Watch, anybody, like, watch all of them like me multiple times? Good. Then I'm going to talk just to you guys, and the rest of them are going to get it. You remember the episode where <clears throat> uh, Michael and Dwight are driving, and Michael pulls up the maps, and it tells him to turn, and Dwight goes, where are you going? This is, a, this is not a road. He goes, that's what it says. And he goes, stop, Michael, we're going toward a pond. He's like, nope, it says to go here. And he just drives into a pond because the map told him, hey, at least he had faith, right, in the map. Here's the difference. God's not going to let you sink. If he tells you to turn into that pond, you're either going to float or he's got something at the bottom of it for you. It's going to be confused. The truth I'm the truth, not your knowledge of me, not what you think I mean. I am the truth. A lot of justification in the room. I'm talking to members. I don't know the rest of you well enough. A lot of justification. A lot of like Christianese mumbo jumbo, right? Clearly God's cool with what I'm doing because I'm successful, so I must be going the right way. Lies. A lot of rich people going to hell. A lot of successful people going to hell. Don't ever mistake your success with the way. I'd be a lot more successful if I didn't go his way all the time. In the short term, I'm serious. Man, I just can read some of your arrogant minds. I just want to come and talk to you one-on-one, but I can't because you're already justifying. And if I say it out loud, then I'm mean. Get him, God. All right, there, I let it go. I'm the way you're looking for. I'm the one that can guide you to truth. I'm the one who will always lead to life, even if it doesn't make sense, right? Because if, if you don't hold on, Jill, it's all going to fall apart, right? You know why you agonize over everything? Because you got to get it right. You, 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 I, I, I. Me too. I'm the one to lead to life. Now let's think about that. I'm still kind of paraphrasing this section. And what does he say here, Emma? You ready? He says it because he says, you don't have to do that. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Why? Because I am God. That's what he says, right? You knew the Father. 
you know, if you know me, you know the Father. If you've seen him, if you know me, the implication here, I got to spell it out for you, I'm him. I'm God. You're seeing me right now. And if I'm God, guess what that means? It ain't out of my control. I can handle it. I threw the stars in the sky. I can handle your life and your problems. All right, so let's move on. There's a section here, so let's, let's, let's take that. Jesus says that. And then the apostle Paul kind of talks about something similar in a pretty famous section. Right? Who here, let's see how honest people are today and who's lazy, because there should be every hand raised. Now I put some pressure on you, but I shouldn't have. Who's been anxious this week? Oh, wow. Most people are honest, right? And if you haven't, man, I want to talk to you because you're doing it right. <laughs> anxious, me too. All right, hey, some of you guys that didn't want to raise your hand, here's another code word for you. Angry. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, that's, let me tell you something. A lot of angry dudes, very anxious people. That's just reality. They don't want to admit it, and they're mad at me saying, I told our secret, so what? <clears throat> what to do? What to do? I mean, <laughs> so Paul, when he's talking to the church, talks to all these different churches. They're in a tough spot, too. They're hated, right? So the Jewish people, the Jew, Jews that have converted and believe in Jesus, they've been cast out by their family and friends, right? The Gentiles are looked at as weirdos. There's an emperor coming up that's real persecution, right? And eventually starts killing them. Both sides want to kill them. They are pressed. Pressed. Tough situation. I don't... We, we sometimes read it like everything's going good and he's just reminding us to coast. No, he said this in very hard times. Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9. This is one of those times where like, man, I wish God would just be straightforward. He's pretty straightforward here. The question is, are we willing to do it? And it fits with what Jesus said. All right, pull it up, guys. Perfect. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, if you're like me, you go, oh, I just get so fired up. It's out of love, right? <laughs> You ain't rejoicing. Some of you need to, let's just stop here. Go home. Write that on your head. Look in a mirror. You know how I know that you could choose to rejoice? Because you choose to get your happy butt up and go to work every day. And I know you don't want to do that. <clears throat> every day. Rejoice in the Lord always. Except me, I love, I love my job. Anyway, rejoice in the Lord always. My people are never mean. I will say it again. Rejoice. You know why I had to say it twice? Because you thought you knew and you already stopped. Let your graciousness, another word for that, kindness. Really interesting. Rejoice. You want to know if you're rejoicing? I love this, David. Here's a little clue if you're really rejoicing. Do people know you by your kindness? Because when you rejoice, you're not anxious and you're just loving people. Is that you? If I go ask the people in your life, a word to describe you, if kindness isn't one of the words, what's that say about your state of joy? I love you folks. Okay, you may not think that of me. I might be one of those guys that's like nobody says kind. But some of you all, you're with me in that boat. Let your grace be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Interesting. Rejoice. Here's your clue that you're rejoicing because you're going to love people, be kind to them. You're not going to be so focused on yourself that you can't love people. Why? Because the Lord is near. You think he's not going to keep that promise? What did Jesus tell you? I'm still with you. I'm coming back. Don't worry about anything. That's a nice sentiment. 
Not what he means. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, man, why would you thank God as you're asking? There we go. Yeah, it's coming. He's going to answer. And, and this is the one that will blow your mind, the answer is always going to be for your good. It's like getting a present that you always know you're going to like. Right? You're looking at it under the tree and you're like, am I going to like it? Right? Am I not? <laughs> Why did I do that? I don't know. Anyway, that, in this case, you ask for it and you're going to get exactly what you want. Or what you need, what's good, what you really love. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. There's an and. You ready? You don't like this. You want the peace without the first part. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Wow, you ready for this? This is, so, this is good, Greg. You're going to like this. This peace will guard your heart. From what? What's the topic? From anxiety, from worry, from fear. That peace, right? When we have peace, are you scared at the same time? No, it's not possible. You can't be at peace and be scared. You can be at peace in scary situations, but you can't feel two opposite things at once that don't make any sense. Right? Peaceful fear. Nope, doesn't work. Finally, Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, anything, you all thought I was talking to you, I am. Everybody's looking over here because I was looking there. It's them. They're not paying attention. Anyway, right? If there's any moral excellence and there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Dwell. That means have a seat there. See, a lot of you guys, and I do it too, we have a lot of blessings, but you don't like to be there. You want to go to the spot in the room where you don't have the nice furniture you wanted. There's a lovely chair right here. Sit down. Enjoy what you got. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me. In this case, Paul, but Paul's teaching you what? What God, the Holy Spirit, wants you to know. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace, there it is again, will be with you. This is a hard pill to swallow for a guy like me. I'm probably not naturally joyful. See, I put probably there. It makes me feel better. And you guys say, maybe he is. And I'm probably not. <laughs> I saw Lindsay subtly go. <laughs> when I said that, I saw it. I said, I'm not natural. Maybe I am. And she goes. <laughs> <laughs> what are the odds of that? Anyway, okay, Lord, I hear you. Uh, <laughs> but, so what that's saying to me, if I'm really honest, is I'm probably not doing these things. Because God doesn't have, remember, he says, I am the way, the truth, the lie. So if he gives direction, he's not going to, like, trick me. Do these things, and you're not going to get peace. I was tricking you. Now you got to figure it out again. Sometimes you guys act like that. You think he's like leading you through a maze. Turn left. Ha-ha, you hit the wall. No, that's not what he does. His way is going to lead to these things. If, if, if I'm lost, and this is hard, it doesn't mean he's mad at us, by the way. Sometimes, like, when my daughter does things that I've taught her repeatedly not to do, like, believe it or not, every now and then she does, right? This happened this week. Can I vent? Had a rough day. 
rough, very rough day. Felt sad, overwhelmed. Manny brings my daughter, because I was also sad I didn't see her. She comes in. She says, hold you. That's her way of saying, hold me. Sounds sweet. I'm excited. I'm like, here it is, man. My reason. You know, my reasons. I follow her, because of course she runs. Pick her up. We embrace, hug. It's beautiful. No, she claws me in the face immediately. <laughs> I've got a mark right here. I'm serious. Come and look at me after service. It's right here. I didn't have peace, right? <laughs> had nothing to do with any of this. I just want to vent that I'm still a little upset at her. My point, though, is in that moment, right, I wasn't mad at her. She didn't stop being my daughter because she's still learning. So, so I'm not saying that, like, she does need to not claw people, right? But my love for her as I'm teaching her doesn't go away just because she isn't perfect in that learning, but also, that doesn't mean that I'm going to say, okay, you can keep clawing people. Do you get what I'm saying? So I want to speak to some of you because that was important. You know, if you're not feeling peace, right, if you're not feeling that guard in your hearts, I know you don't want to hear this because some of you, 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 you immediately beat yourself up. Some of you need to hear it. That's a you problem, not a him problem. Because he said to do these things, so we got to be honest. I'm not doing what he said. He's not mad at you. You're not a failure. He's just trying to teach you not to claw him, right, or whatever. He's trying to teach you. <clears throat> so, let's keep going. So then, let's, let's, let's make this simple. Let me, let me say to you what God is saying to you through this, right? Paraphrasing. Go read it. Choose to be joyful even when you don't know the way. You can be so joyful that you can show kindness even when you're anxious. That's what he's saying. Why? Because the Lord's near to you. If you know the Lord's near to you, I can chill. He's in control. You don't have to worry about the situation. You don't have to be confused on what to do. You don't have to figure it out on your own. You know why? Because you can ask me what to do. Are you, you don't know what to do? Ask him. Are you confused? Ask him. Are you unsure? Ask him. See, some of you all don't do that. It, we create this weird religion. It's like one or the other. I don't pray, but I read the Bible. Well, weirdly, the Bible doesn't tell me, should I take this job or that job? It's both, right? So you don't, you, don't, you don't pray because you have the Bible, and then some of you go, well, I asked God, I don't know whether to sleep with my boyfriend or girlfriend even though they want to, so I'll pray about it, and God's like, I don't need to answer this, I already have, it's in the Word. It's both. Sometimes people say, well, he didn't tell us how to handle it. Yes, he did, and ask him. Ask him. Unsure? Ask him. Then, what is it saying here in Philippians? Then let go and wait for the answer that's coming. Wait for him to show you the way, and then guess what happens? If I believe he's going to answer, I believe he's got good for me. You don't believe that all the time, David. You know how I know? Because we're very similar, right? You don't like that either. I know it's a terrible insult. <laughs> I mean that, right? <laughs> then you're going to have peace because you trust. And that makes sense, right? When you feel safe, you have peace. And then he says, in the meantime then, as you wait, because you know he's coming through. I ain't got to worry because my God's coming. Focus on all the good that's in your life now, the blessings, while you wait, and you're going to have even more peace. Which, by the way, that's backed up even by Oprah and all their weird science, right? If we focus on our gratitude journal, things will be better. Where do you think that comes from? God did that. 
Gratitude journals aren't bad. But my point is, they recognize truth, right? Because they can't get away. They may decide that it comes from somewhere else, but they can't get away from the way things have been created. When we focus on our blessings and gratitude, go look this up. Science says your anxiety goes. <whistles> when you focus on being God, life does not go well. Because you ain't good at it. And even if you're better than me, it doesn't make you good at it. It doesn't make you good at it. Okay. So I wanted to say those two sections real quick as we think about wonderful counsel, right? Because Philippians is really talking about that. What do we do when life is scary and hard? I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I need a direction. God says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Trust me. Focus. I'm close. Then he says it again through Paul to the church now. To you. He's saying it to you. Are you anxious? Then you're not listening. That's the reality. You're trying to do it your way. You're justifying. You're kind of half doing it. Well, I asked, but I'm not focusing on my blessings. God should still answer. He's not Fido, your dog. Okay, he doesn't listen to, hey, sit, boy. Come here, boy. Bring me some peace. That's not how it works. So there's beauty in that, in that, in that message. And God, by the way, I could have given a 1,000 verses, even in the Old Testament, right? What does he say? If you focus on me, I'm going to make your path straight. I'm going to make the crazy road seem straight. My word, what I say, is going to be a lamp to your feet in dark times. I, that's powerful. Lamp to your feet. Why would it need to be at your feet so you know where to go? Some of you lost hope because the answer, right, isn't here yet. Or you don't like it yet. Don't assume that because it isn't what the answer you got that isn't what you thought it was going to be now isn't better. When I was 16, I, I, uh, my parents bought me, my first car was like an 85 Ford Tempo. It was red. I called it Fireball, right? And I did. I'm a nerd. Uh, I crashed it. They bought that car for me. I had rules. I had to stand on a roll, play sports, all these things. It's a pretty cool deal, right? <clears throat> if I did those things, I could focus on that. So they bought that car for me. I crashed it last day of school. Junior year, I think sophomore, junior year, I can't remember, I think sophomore year. My dad took me to a, a uh, car auction. You ever been to a car auction? Yeah? And all these cars, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing some of people at school, like, with the fancy, right? I always focused on the people who had the fancy cars. There was tons of 85 Ford Temples in the parking lot, but my mind's like, everybody has a brand new car. So we're there, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm hoping he's going to bid on this. My dad's not a man of many words, okay? So we're sitting there, and a... I do not remember the year, but it was a Buick LeSabre in the 80s, okay? Cream-colored, leather interior, made of pure steel, okay? Great shape. All of a sudden, I look, and I'm like, oh, man, I guess we're going to wait. This ain't, this ain't the car I'm getting. I mean, clearly, I don't want that thing. Dad's hand goes up. He starts bidding. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, but I'm also a little scared of my dad, so I'm like, oh, maybe he's got a plan here. And he's like, he ends up getting this car. On the way home... And I tell, tell this story a lot because I, I feel guilty this day. I, uh, on the way home, I, <laughs> I did the, the kind of kid thing where I was like, I'm afraid to ask him because he is a scary man, but I'm going to kind of subtly do it. So I go, why'd you, why'd you buy that car? And he's like, I, you know, he didn't say anything. And I said, well, you know what? I'll take any car you give me as long as I don't have to drive that boat. Right? That's what I said. Later on, find out from my mom, who is a talker, right? And I remember this. It was a huge lesson. She, you know, my dad's not sad. 
but she told me, she interpreted how much I hurt him because he got this gift from me. Now, I want to I connect this for you. Todd now would absolutely love that car. That thing had leather seats, okay? It was, I'm telling you, it's in perfect condition. It's probably worth a, I'm a fortune now. This thing was beautiful. And now I appreciate it because I am more mature and understand more about cars. I understand more about, you know, what really matters. I understand that people aren't, you know, your entire worth isn't tied up in driving the newest car. I would have loved that. I didn't have the maturity to appreciate the good gift I was given. You might be in a season where you were given a gift and an answer, and you're so focused on what you didn't get that you might look back and say, man, I missed what he gave me. And that includes hard times. I had this talk with this dude last night. He ain't paying attention, but I'm going to reference him so he pays attention again, right? He's going through a tough time. It's real stuff. I'm talking to Jericho here. I'm going to throw his business out. I'm not going to say everything, but he has tough times sometimes, and that's real. And, and parents, here's a tip. Stop minimizing their life because it's not big to you. Because I, rem- I guarantee if I snapshot your life at 15 or 16, you were crying too and sad because, you know, our, he didn't cry. But you get the point. You're upset because, I don't know, it could be anything. Certain person didn't answer your call or you didn't get that job. These things are important. My point is, as I try to get him to understand, and I appreciate him because he's willing to be honest about that stuff, and something I told him about my life. Listen, at the end of the day, if I had to go through what I went through in my life, through my own failings and sometimes the sin of others, to get where I am today, and God said, hey, you do it again, the only way you get here is to go through that, I would do that. That tells you that I value where I'm at, Right? Even if the path was hard and sometimes it, it scraped me because I took a wrong direction, so I had to go through the thorn bushes, whatever. But if I did it to get here, I would. And I'm not going to lie to you. If God said, hey, I got a way easier way for you to get the exact same place, I'd do it. But the weird part is I would take that. I wouldn't take, I'm not, I'm not a you know, sadist. But the truth is the journey is part of what made me who I am now. That's real. Bitterness comes, and I'm just going to be blunt with you. Can I be blunt with you? As an adult, here's a simplified version of bitterness. Bitterness is when you throw a fit because you didn't get what you wanted when you wanted it. That is bitterness. All right, so I'm going to give you a list. Jill, you going to take notes? I'm going to check later. All right. <laughs> this reminds me. Is Hannah Porter in here? She's not. It's good. I can't tell the story. When our first real interaction, her parents are here. Did she ever tell you about that story? The time I was pointing to another guy who I knew well. It was like, this is my younger days, and I did kind of call a dude out. for He's checking his uh, fantasy football stuff all day. I knew him. He's my roommate. She thought I was pointing at her because she was taking notes. And we'd never, and you know Hannah, beautiful sweetheart. She, you know, I crushed her. Right? <laughs> uh, and I had to explain to her later. It was the first actual conversation we had. And now, you know, at least I think she likes me. So, uh I don't know why I told you that. Anyway, listen, I'm going to leave you a list. So pull a list up. It made me think of you, Joe, because you have your phone. Yeah, anyway. You ready? You ready? AJ, you're going to like this. I don't think you are, man, because I have a feeling you're going to listen and walk away. I know you very well, but I'm going to say anyway. Ready? What to do when you don't know. What to do when you don't know. Here it is, the whole list. Go to a wonderful counselor. I'm just kidding. But that's, if that's all you can take, take that. Number one. Breathe and remember who Jesus is. Breathe. 
You ain't breathe, buddy. Breathe. What does breathe mean? My code word for myself, slow down. I'm a passionate guy. That's the nice word I say for when I get angry, right? right? It's the flip side of that. Any other passionate people in here? We're just passionate. We're not angry. Anyway, we're angry. Uh, I need to breathe. You need to breathe. Stop rushing around, freaking out, slow down, breathe, and do what? First step. Remember, who is Jesus? You, you're a Christian. You're a little Christ. What does that mean? He's the Messiah. Guess what that means? He's God. If he's God, you ready, Eli? You think he can handle your problems? Do you think he knows better than you? It's hard sometimes, though, right? Because you're a smart kid, so you're probably like, I might have it figured out. Me too. But the truth is, we have to remember who he is. He's got this. He's in control. He is God. I'm telling you, you guys are going to skip this step because it's not very, like, tangible. But I'm telling you, if you stop and go, I've already put, this is for you Christians. I've already put my faith in him. So what am I saying? I'm saying that he's God. If he's God, he's the creator, which means do I understand all his ways? No. But I can trust him because he's in control. This life, this situation, I literally see no way out of it that's good for me. But he's God. He can. That's number one, what to do when you don't know. Number two. This is a big one in our modern world and why we need a good counselor. Ignore the noise. The world is going to tell you and give you all these different ways to get, where you, to get the answer you want. And it's going to seem easier. It's going to seem faster. Right now, some of you need to ignore the noise even though you're Christian because you're going to skip the rest of this because you think you already know because some Christian book told you what to do. Even if it isn't what he told you to do, but you're more comfortable with it. Ignore the noise. Stop focusing on... All the noise around you, all the the darkness, all the confusion, all the fear, stop focusing on that. My hurt, stop even focusing on your hurt. That's hard. I didn't say don't feel it. What did I say? Don't focus on it. You can't stop yourself from feeling. You can't control what you focus on, even if it doesn't feel like it. Number three, okay, we've breathed. Remember who he is. We've ignored the noise. You're not going to like this one, but I already know a lot of you don't do this. You don't. Because you think, I've, I hear it all the time, well, he's got better things to do. He's got bigger things. Think about what you're saying. He chucked the stars in the sky, but he can't handle two things at once. Ask him. You know what asking him means, AJ? You ready? It means pray like it's real. Not just on Sunday. Pray like this is all real. That doesn't mean make-believe. Faith is not pretending it's real. It's not meaning ignore your doubts. Faith means, right, I'm going to step even if I don't feel like it's real because my view of its reality is going to come in the step I take. Make sense? Is that too wordy for you? Okay, now listen. Some of you are all going, this is nice, and you're not going to do anything with this. Listen to this and try it. Ask him and pray like it's real. I say this all the time. Pray like it's real. Be specific. You don't know which way to go. You're literally lost in a, in a city in Fort Wayne, I don't know, Chicago, somewhere. You're lost. How many of you take the time before you ask Siri, you ask God? Ask him. Test him in little things. He's, it's pretty amazing and scary when all of a sudden you go, dude, he just answered that. This is actually real. You ever had those moments? If you haven't yet, do it because they're, they're coming. If you're... All right. Moving on. <clears throat> Number four. You've asked him, you pray like it's real, seek wisdom in his teachings. Greg, this is going to confuse some people. Bible, you mean 
It's like there's two extremes. Wait, you didn't tell him to go to the Bible first? No. You have a living God. Go to him first, then go to his word. Do you want to hear a verse that's crazy? Jesus had to tell the Pharisees. They knew the Bible rule. He said, you search through the word. You search through the law looking for life, but I'm right here giving it to you. There are Christians that idolize. This is, I almost don't want to say this. They idolize the Bible. And what I mean by that is they, they think, well, this is like a manual, and my understanding is going to lead to life. Listen, on your own, you don't understand it very well. You need the interpretation of the Holy Spirit, right, to get it. All right, moving on. Man, i got to hurry. I think I'm going to be okay here. Seek wisdom in his teachings. So here's the thing. If you give a direct, what does that mean? If it directly tells you, I, man, my boyfriend really wants to sleep with me, and I want him to stay with me. And I really like him. I don't feel comfortable, but should I do it? Let me pray about that. Answer is very clear. You married to him? Don't do it. Is that hard? Yep. Just because your mom and dad did and ended up getting married, and you think, well, it worked out because it worked out for my parents, that's silly. If they're being honest with you about some of the things that happened in that relationship internally after that, before the marriage happened, you, you wouldn't do it. The anxiety, the uh, insecurities, the things that come from that. Okay, just an example. So if the Bible says it, stop asking for a different answer. Do what it says. Well, what if the world tells me it's okay? Who cares? You're a Christian. You're going to have to do things that don't feel natural and not do things that feel natural. Moving on, i got to go. Number five, you ready for this? Mandy, you're like this. Do the thing. Do it. Do the thing. What's the thing? What the answer is. When you get the answer, when it's revealed to you, do it. I can't tell you, it's that old saying, right? Lord, the guy, right, he's praying to God, he's in a flood. We've all seen that, that comic. A boat comes by, hey, man, you need a ride? No, I prayed. The helicopter comes, you need a ride? No, I prayed. Do the thing. Do it. Stop waiting for a different answer because you're like, there's got to be a better option here. Do it. Do the thing. Put it into practice. Guess what that means today? Todd, why don't you try rejoicing? Well, I'm sleepy, I'm, right? Lindsay hurt my feelings earlier. I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, right? I don't want to rejoice. Well, do it anyway. Rejoice. I, listen, this is one I don't feel bad, and I'm not a hypocrite because I'm in the struggle with you. So you grumpies, I don't want to say your names, and you already know. As soon as I said I want to say your names, you're like, he's talking to me. Yep. Us grumpies, we got to choose to do this. Well, I am rejoicing. No, you're not, because he told us a clue of when you're rejoicing. If you don't come off like a kind person to everyone around you, you're not rejoicing. I'm just quiet. No, you're just mean, right? Let's go. Or scared. Either way. Number six, you've done all the stuff you put into practice. Trust your king. Trust your counselor. He loves you. He loves you. You can trust him because you've already, he's God. He has the power, right? He has the willingness, and he has your good in, in his mind all the time. So you going to come play some music? Mandy is. Do you feel, let me ask you a real question. We're thinking about the season. Do you think about that your Messiah, your Christ, the one who, you, those of you who say, I'm a Christian, that he's still leading you, that he is your counselor, that he will offer you counsel now, 
Do you actually live in that? Do you believe that? Do you feel unsure of where to go or what to do in your life right now? You unsure, are you unsure what to do? Is Jesus just an idea or is he alive in your mind and life? Is he alive? Is he active? Do you seek his counsel or try to figure it out yourself? What's your first instinct if you're honest? How's that going for you? How's it been working out doing it your way? Be honest with yourself. You don't have to tell me. It doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you're not God. You need to remember who he is and who you are to him. And that's going to go against the grain of even popular Christianity. See, popular Christianity says, come to this building, listen to this guy, tell you some good advice, and go follow that guy's advice. And if you do that, you'll have a decent day. And then when you don't have a decent day, show up the next week, and I'll give you some false hope by doing it again. We live as Christians with access to God himself through the Holy Spirit. It's, it's sealed in you. That doesn't make a ton of sense. That's why churches don't talk about it a lot because, right, it's, there's two extremes. There's either the people that run around and act like he's like a magic box that gives them powers. That's not true either, right? Like, hey, do whatever I say. And then you got the people who's like, he doesn't do anything anymore. We just have this book. His book is living. It teaches us, but he does too. And I can look around right now see a bunch of sad, grumpy faces, that, which means you're not rejoicing, which means you're not trusting. You all need to hear it. Do I need to say your name or are you going to actually acknowledge to yourself, I'm that person? I am. I'll be the first one to say, why are you smiling, Sydney? Right? I'm that person. I am that person. God, through the prophet Isaiah, gave you a promise of who Christ is. He's all these things, but he's also your wonderful counselor. He is the one who can give you direction, the way to life, even if it doesn't make sense. The world's going to say it's crazy, but that doesn't make any less real. And he's still interacting in your life today. It's been shown to the Old Testament and New. He answers prayers. He moves. That's hard. And that's why Jesus said, hey, you want to follow me? You have to crucify your flesh. That means it's not going to always feel that way, but you got to keep following. you got to die to your desires. you got to trust me. And if you're in the room and you don't know God, you don't know him, you know of him, you know the truth. If I put a lie detector and say, are you a Christian? If it's like, I am kind of. There's no kind of. See, part of the issue is you don't have that counsel. You are on your own floating through life. That's why it's stressful. And some of you have done pretty good at mitigating life, right? You're, you're very gifted. He gave it to you. And so you kind of like, you stay in your wheelhouse. And as long as you stay in your wheelhouse, everything's in control. But every now and then in life, whether it's circumstances, some screw up you do, you all of a sudden have these moments where you go, I'm not really in control of this thing. And that's scary. And then if you're a guy, many of you, you get angry. What are you really mad about? And then some of you get hopeless, and some of you get sad, and some of you turn to bottles, right, into bodies and into all these various things. And I'm not saying that judgmentally. I've been there. I'm still tempted with that. Believe that. Because it's hard sometimes. It's confusing, and the world tells us a bunch of lies. But here's the thing I can tell you in this room right now. I promise you this to be true, and I can say this with utmost confidence because I was you. God loves you so much. Me, the guy, the woman, the person that's done all these terrible things that Christians would look down on. and You know, yeah, you, you person. He brought you here today because he loves you. You're probably like, I had to listen to you all day. You must not love me. No, 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 not me. 
But the message, he loves you so much that he has probably done this throughout your life, if you're honest, numerous times where he is telling you the message I'm telling you now, which is what? I love you. I see you. I know you're hurting. I know you're filled with shame. I know you think you've gone too far. I know you, you've tried everything you can. I know that people, that you've made mistakes. I know you've sinned. I know you live in embarrassment and shame. I know you're looking for life everywhere. I'm telling you, I love you right now. I am what? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm everything you've been looking for. And he gave you today right now. And you have free will. That means you can choose to ignore it like you did all the other times in your life. And I pray that if you do, he gives you another one, but sometimes we don't get that. But I know one thing, you've been given right now today, what? To respond to his call. What's the call? You're a sinner. And because of your sin, you are separated from God. You are separated from God. And no amount of good works you do to try to make up for it, your list of bad stuff is way bigger than your good one. The standard is perfection. The standard is perfection. And you're not perfect and neither am I. And I'm still not perfect today and I'm not going to be tomorrow. The Bible says the wages of sin are death. Hell is real. That's pretty bad news. And in the moment right now, you're probably feeling that desire to flee, run away, get out of here, get mad. Don't. Listen to the rest of the good news coming. God didn't leave you there. And right now, today offers you a chance to be forgiven for everything you've ever done. Not one time, not just today, but for eternity. That means tomorrow. You mean tomorrow if I mess up again? You mean later this afternoon? You mean I don't have to get this addiction figured out first? No. It says in the midst of our sin, Christ died for us. He died to save you now in this moment, in the midst of it. What you have to do is way simpler than you've been told. It isn't easier, but it's simpler. What is it? The Bible says... Right? Jesus of Nazareth existed. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the wonderful counselor. He came to earth. He lived. He taught us how to live. He performed miracles to prove he was God. When we couldn't get our way to God, he came to us, our Savior. He taught us how to live. He told us the truth. He told us the way to life. And then he died on the cross for you and me so that we don't have to live in shame. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to wonder what's going to happen after we die. We can be in peace and assurance and comfort. The Bible says, right, that Jesus died on the cross and three days later was raised from the dead. Over 500 people attest to this. There are historical documents outside of the Bible that attested the eclipse happening that day to the earthquake, to the fact that people saw him. He then ascended. He wasn't a ghost. He went away to prepare and give people opportunities to come to know him. The Bible says that God doesn't want anyone to perish but everyone to be saved. Did you know that? So what does that mean? Todd, how do I do that? It's way simple. You don't have to clean it up first. You don't have to, put, you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to get out of that bad relationship. You don't have to do any of that. This is what you have to do. You have to do this. You have to reject the idea that you're God. You have to bow the knee to God, right? Symbolically here and say, you're God and I'm not. Forgive me for what I've done. The Bible itself says that if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Some of you in the room are going, well, where's the rest of it? That's it. If you will out loud with your mouth, because if we're willing to say it, right? If you're not willing to say it, you don't really believe it. Will you, with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is who he said he was, he will save you forever. In that moment, you will be transformed. You'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit. You'll feel different, be different, and you'll have a kind of peace that doesn't make any sense. How can I tell you that? Because I was you. I wasn't 10. I wasn't 12. I was 17. 
Has life always been easier? No. Do I have doubts? Yes. Have I seen miracles? Yes. Is my life better? Yes. Whatever you do, you're going to get the opportunity today. I know it's late. Right? You're going to get the opportunity to respond. Now listen, some of you are going to say, I'll do it later. There may not be a later. Well, what if people judge me? What if people think I'm really bad? Who's put, how do I know that's in your head? Because I was you. So I'm going to say to you, I say it all the time, and a lot of people I think roll their eyes, but it was really said to me because they told me to raise my hand if I wanted this. Close your eyes. You all know that. Was that a big event? And then when you put your hand down, then they tell you you can come to the back and pray. And they tricked me, and I was like, I'm not doing that because I was afraid. And a guy told me what I'm going to tell you now. I don't know who he is. Someday in heaven we'll meet, and I can't wait to tell him thank you. And he said, you don't have to be afraid. My life's never been the same. There's going to be people up here willing to pray for you. Don't sit at your, some of you don't know how to do it. Come up here and pray and have peace and be transformed and be forgiven. I'm in the back wandering around like Batman. If you'd rather come to me, all right, come find me. There's people up here willing to pray. And if you're in the room and you say, Lord, I don't know where to go. What does he say? Ask and I'll answer. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open for you. You got to come to me. Why is it that way? Because if not, we tend to wander off. Whatever you do today, I promise you this. God loves you. He knows the way out of your situation. You're not hopeless, but whatever you do, don't leave the same as you came in because if you do, you're choosing to.